so glad you're here today. We're just getting started. I told Heather, I said, I'm already tired after all that right there. But man, we're just getting started this morning. Yeah, it's going to be great. We're going to be praying at the end of the service for our children as they go back to school. Hence the backpacks up here, our backpack blessing day. We'll also be baptizing at the end of the service today. Uh, we have a long line of baptisms that are scheduled for the weeks to come. So we'll, that'll be an exclamation point on the end of many of our services that are coming up. Amen? It'll be great. So look here. I want you to be here August 28th, the last Sunday of this month. God is doing some incredible things behind the scenes, and we're going to be announcing those on that day. Some things that will change our future as a church. So be here on the 28th, and I cannot wait for that day. So we've been learning about the power of praying bold, and we're already hearing so many answers to prayer and changes in the way that we pray. And uh, that excites me, but I know it excites Jesus even more because prayer was powerful in what he taught his disciples and he intends us to live in that power as well. We are not peasants at the side of a table begging for bread. We are the children of God who have had exceedingly great and precious promises made to us in Jesus Christ, and he calls us to come boldly to the throne of grace, to pray boldly, to believe boldly, and to be changed by those truths. Amen? He calls us to that. So I know it might be a new day for you. It might be a new thing for you, but that's a good thing. That's what we're called to in Jesus Christ. He is transforming us conforming us to the image of Christ. And so this series is designed to change how we pray. Amen? So I'm excited about what is ahead for today. We've talked about how one of the things that we're doing in this series is pulling down one of the strongholds that keeps believers from praying today. And that lie is this, that your prayer won't make a difference. What difference will it make if I pray? That is a lie from the pit of hell that he has whispered to believers and continues to whisper. And he's whispering it right now. So in Jesus' name, enemy, you have no more foothold in this room. This is where Jesus is Lord of the church. And whatever spirit that would try to seduce you and keep you from believing that there is power when God's people pray, that spirit needs to be gone from this place today. Amen? Let's keep that in mind today because God has promised that when we pray, heaven moves. Wisdom comes down. Things change. Jesus taught his disciples as he teaches us to pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. That heaven would come to earth. That all the things around us would change. Us, our marriage, our children, our family, our nation, that is all possible when God's people pray. There are blessings, in fact, that remain in heaven until you and I pray. Things that are meant for you and I. Things that are meant for us to receive, but you do not receive them until you pray. You have not because you ask not. It's promises Scripture makes. We've also talked about the importance of praying for someone else who's at a place where they can't pray for themselves. The Bible calls that interceding, stepping in the place of someone who is at a place where they 
can't pray, don't know what to pray, don't even have the desire to pray. This is what Jesus was doing for us in the garden the night he was arrested. And this is what you and I are called to do for one another. You can pray for that child, for that parent, for that friend, as though you were them. And God hear you and move in their life when they haven't even asked for it yet. This is the power of intercession. We've talked about that. We're going to talk about it more today. And again, we're pulling down the stronghold that prayer is somehow just a religious exercise that we do wrong. That somehow prayer is just reciting some memorized words. It's not. Would you like it if your spouse came home every day with a recited list of words that they said to you? Hello, honey. I'm home today, honey. I'm glad I'm here today, honey. I hope you will find me acceptable in your sight, oh honey. I hope you will do things for me that I wish you would do for me today, honey. I love you, honey. In honey name, amen. <laughs> that would be weird the first day. You'd call the police on the fifth day. That would just, that's just weird. Something wrong with something like that, right? But how many Christians just live like that? Just reciting some formulaic prayer and then wondering, I wonder why God's not moving in my life. Because prayer is far more than just reciting some religious dogma. Jesus said prayer is us communing with God, believing his promises, bringing those promises into my life. That means it has to get personal. It has to get real. It has to get awkward sometimes. It has to get filled with tears sometimes. It's got to have energy with it and passion with it. This is what prayer is intended to be, but the enemy would have you believe anything else but that. He would have you believe it was something, something less powerful, something more palatable. But as we've seen, when you and I pray as people of God, heaven moves. Angels are dispatched. God moves his hand in response to us praying. Wisdom comes down from heaven. Provision comes. Healing happens. Understanding happens. Circumstances change. And we change. This all happens when we pray and pray bold. Now, we've talked about intercession. Today we go to the next level. If you've been around vertical for a while, you know this is not about Sunday fluff and games. We're not here to fulfill some religious checklist that says, I went to church. Okay, God? No, that's not what this is. We are making disciples. This is what the Bible calls us to do. We are teaching and training. So I hope you've come ready to receive what God has to say to you and get to the next level in your faith. I'm not interested in us staying the same. I hope you're not either. So this is going to be, at times today, challenging. It may be uncomfortable. I hope you won't let the discomfort and the awkwardness turn you off. That'll be the enemy speaking to you if you do. Instead, use the awkwardness to press on into the heart of God and say, God, I want to hear what you have to say to me. I know it's awkward, but to change this heart, it's going to take some awkwardness. Amen? All right. Strongholds. 
strongholds, enslavement, habits, patterns. We all know the experience of being the one caught in a stronghold, not able to get out of a pattern of sin, a pattern, a way of thinking. We also know the pain of when a loved one or friend is the one caught in the stronghold. When they are caught in the addiction, caught in a way of thinking, caught in a conversation that excuses and justifies their sin, that says, I don't want to hear from you, and you and I sit and are broken at what we see and hear. Do you know what I'm talking about? Family and friends who you hurt for because they are heading down destructive, painful, sin-ridden paths. The only way that someone who's caught in a stronghold can get free is if someone else fights for them to be free from the stronghold. And there are some strongholds so entrenched, so deep, walls so thick, bars so strong that it will take more than one person's prayer. It will take two or more and maybe even an entire church praying to set them free. There is power when God's people pray in agreement in the same direction to break strongholds. Today's message is entitled, Pray in Agreement to Break Strongholds. We're going to see what Jesus had to say about this. We're going to talk about how we actually do this in our life. And you become strategic prayer warriors, trained, skilled, valiant conquerors who know how to go to war, not just by yourself, not just in silent prayer, but in powerful, verbal, agreeing prayer with others to tear down some strongholds. Amen? You ready to go down this path? Let's do this. Let's see what Jesus had to say in Matthew 18. Verse 18 is where we begin. Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. When you and I, as the people of God, know how to exercise our authority in Christ, stand on the promises of God, not our own word, but on his word and his truth, we can exercise that authority and bind evil voices and agreements and spirits that seek to control us and others. You have the authority to bind them, to lock them up, to keep them from doing what they want to do in someone else's life. Amen? Come on now. Part of this, part of this process this morning is going to be in agreement. This is, how we, this is how we process and pick it up. When Heather and I are talking and she's talking to me, I try to look at her and nod and say, mm-hmm, yes, okay, I understand. And she, wants to, she tells me, I need you to say more of, I understand. Hello, guys? I'm working on that. There's power in communication and intimacy when there is agreement. So I'm going to say this morning, this will help 
us as a group. If all you can mutter under your breath is a, mm-hmm, that's good. If you can muster out a, that's right, that's awesome. If you can muster out an amen, all of that is going to help solidify truth inside our hearts. Amen? Thank you. There we go. All right. It's not just for my benefit. I'm not asking for a, to stroke my ego this morning. It's not what this is. I'm telling you, there is power in us understanding truth when we can even verbally give a test to that. Are you with me? There you go. Good. All right. So Jesus gives us this power to bind evil voices and spirits and influences, but he also gives us the authority to loose some things as well, to loose wisdom and grace and peace into a room. Did you know that we've done that already this morning before y'all ever came here? When the worship team began to rehearse this morning, we took time to pray and to bind evil spirits from this place and to loose God's presence and peace and voice and power into this place. So welcome that. It's been prayed for here today. Jesus goes on and says, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, this does not mean you and I can say, I loose a brand new RV into my parking lot. That's not what I'm talking about today. I'm not talking about Rolodexes and RVs and all that kind of stuff. I'm talking about the promises of God being loosed into our life. They are the things that last. They are the things that transform us. Amen? Those other things are going to burn up in time, right? That's the amen part, yeah. Jesus goes on and says, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask. We'll pause the verse right here because there's some things that Jesus says here that you and I have got to get a grasp on. I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, Jesus is talking about praying here in this passage. And he uses this word agree here. Agree. This is not simply one person nodding their head at another like, yep. This is something far more rich than that. This word agree in the Greek is the same word that you and I get our word today, symphony. Interesting. I was in the band in high school. I know what it's like to march on the field. I know what it's like to sit in a symphonic arrangement and play my part as the clarinet or the bass clarinet or the contrabass clarinet. Got any band friends in the room? Come on now. All right. All five of us are here. Great. (laughs) The other 10 of you that were afraid to say anything, come see me afterwards. We'll talk. No. It's a good thing. Jesus says here, if two of you are in symphony... Symphony. If you are, if you have your instrument, your voice, and if you are playing it, playing the part that you have been assigned. When I was in the band, we were given a part. The clarinets had a part. And the first clarinets had a part. The second clarinets had a part. The third clarinets had a part. And we all had our part to play. But we had to play that sheet of music. Whichever one we were playing. 
If it was concert in D minor, that's what we were supposed to play. I couldn't pull out my version of play that funky music white boy and play it while they were doing symphony in D, right? No matter how much I wanted to. And I wanted to, right? I don't get to play my own song. I'm playing in agreement with what the conductor has said we're to play. When you and I pray, we're to pray based on the promises given to us by Jesus. You don't get to pray from your play that funky music white boy book, right? It's just not how it works. You can't, you can't just pray your will be done, but his will be done. And I pray based on promises. So if we're in symphony, then we've got to be together in the same room. You can't play symphony through FaceTime. You've got to be together. Agree on earth concerning anything that they ask. You have to be together. You have to say the same thing. You have to play the same song. You've got to agree on the tempo. You've got to agree on the key. You've got to agree on the tuning. You have to play all together. When you do, when you agree, and you agree on the promises, there is a power that comes out. There's no symphony when the clarinetist is sitting on the stage by himself. There's a symphony when the orchestra is placed and we are playing what the conductor has given us and there is power. There is power and there's beauty when everyone is playing their part together. So Jesus says, agree when you agree, when you're playing in symphony. And then Jesus says, here's what's gonna happen when you do. It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. When you pray according to God's word, and you pray according to the spirit of God within you, Jesus has promised that whatever you pray, it will be done. Especially when there's two or more gathered in that. There's power when you pray, when you pray silently, but there is greater power when you pray out loud. The atmosphere changes in the room whenever you pray out loud. If there are evil spirits in a room and when you pray out loud, they hear you and they respond and they go. When two pray together, not just separately and silently, but when two pray together and pray verbally out loud, there is even greater power that happens. You begin to have greater power to bind and loose and affect the atmosphere in the room and bring down strongholds to bring down what someone else is caught in. So, let's draw some things. I hope you brought your notebook today. I hope you got some, maybe some colored pens. I try to use some color every week just to add this, add a little creativity to this. Let's, let's do something here. Let's draw. We all may have friends or family who have maybe been caught in a stronghold. And a stronghold, another word for that is the word fortress or even a prison. Let's imagine today a loved one who is caught in a prison. And they are there and here in this place they're bound. 
they caused some things to happen by their own actions, by their own belief, and they found themselves all of a sudden caught in a prison. No one sets out to be stuck in a stronghold. No one sets out and says, "Mm, I want to really ruin my life. I want to get addicted. I want to lose all my money. I want to lose my family. I want to lose my friends. I want to be far from God. I really want to be messed up and have no hope in my life. No one sets out on that path with their, that being their goal. Amen? But the enemy is determined that this happen. This is his goal. And he will never walk up to you and say, hey, I'm here to wreck your life. I'm here to destroy every relationship you've got. I'm here to take away everything that's your future. But the enemy comes in with some very subtle lines. He comes in with some deceptions. He comes in with some whisperings. He comes in with what we have talked about and understood as agreements. He comes in with some very subtle lines. He comes in with some whisperings and he says things like, do you really think all that Christianity stuff is real? Do you really think it's going to make a difference if you pray? Do you really think there's hope for your marriage? Do you really think that that gender you were born with is really God's design for you? Do you really think that the church is still relevant today? Do you hear the subtlety? Hello? Do you hear the whispering lie? The deception in that? Do you really think your husband could change? Do you really think you could change? Those whispers start off so subtle. But the minute you and I agree with any of them, the minute we nod and say, hmm, I hadn't thought about it. Maybe it's right. That is an agreement. And when you agree with it, you give the enemy legal power to step into your life. You just handed him the key. You made an agreement with him and he cannot go into territory that's not his. But the minute you agree with him, you say to him, come on in. Let's start off just in the living room, but come on in. Let me just hear what you have to say. Maybe you're right. Maybe this church thing is not what some kooks say it is. Maybe it's really not all that necessary. Maybe prayer really doesn't change things. Maybe the Bible really isn't all true. Maybe all that stuff is fine as an add-on to life, but not necessary for be to the center goal of your life. Maybe I can just do a little on the side and it not affect the rest of my life. Those are all whispering lies from the enemy. And a generation has learned to agree with those today. The enemy has crept into every major institution in our land. And he's no longer whispering those lies anymore. He's shouting them with full voice because they have all been given legal authority to enter them. 
And if you give legal authority for him to enter your mind through agreement in those, he'll step on in and begin with the next level. And you don't want to mess with the next level. The minute you make an agreement with those in your marriage, the minute you make an agreement with those in your children, the minute you make an agreement for those in your family, he will begin his destructive force because you've made an agreement. And when you make an agreement, the next thing that will happen is there'll be an action that he will suggest to you. Here's a path. Do this. Go with this group. Run with this crowd. Take up this sin. Be part of this activity. Watch this. Go here. Do this. Spend your money on this. Take this action. It won't matter. It won't be that bad. You can come back from it. It won't hurt that much. Those are all agreements. And when you make the agreement in the action, he now walks into a different area in your life. Oh, you let him on the front porch. You let him in the living room. Now he'll come on into the kitchen and dining room. And he'll start preparing some more meals for you. And you keep making agreements every time you act on that first agreement. You know what? I think it'd be okay if I drank this, smoked this, took this, ate this, went with this, saw her, saw him, went out. Every time you take one of those steps, you're making more agreement. Now, not just in thought, but in deed. And you're giving legal open door policy for the enemy to walk right up into your life. You make an agreement, you act on the sin, then habits are formed. Now all of a sudden you wonder, how come I can't break this thing? How come I can't get past this habit? How come I can't stop this? Because you made agreements. You made an agreement with the enemy. You made an agreement with your actions. And now you find yourself stuck in a habit. And now you've given even greater authority and you've made, we've talked about this, you've made a soul tie with him. You've connected your mind and will and emotions to this thing. You've become affectionate with it. You've become dependent upon it. You've become a slave to it. It's not just a habit any longer. It's a heart connection to it. And you can't stop thinking about it. You can't get away from it. You can't make it stop. It's what comes into your mind in the middle of the night. It's what comes into your mind in the middle of the morning. It's what comes in your mind all day long because you have made a soul tie with it and then you have become enslaved and you don't know what to do next because he has put you in prison. He has enslaved you. And the person who's made this decision can't find the strength to pray to get out of it, can't find the, the willpower to stop, can't break free from it because they've made these agreements. And the Bible talks about these. We've seen this. Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, By the way, these are the ones who are spouting off all of the terrible philosophical lies in this day. They are the ones who are masters at a godless culture, socialism, BLM. We can go down the line. Every one of these philosophies come from demonic strongholds. They are rulers of this age. 
and they are spiritual hosts of wickedness. And they enslave. They don't randomly go about enslaving people. They enslave people who have given agreement to them. They enslave people who have said, come on in. I'll entertain that thought. I'll go down that path. I'll walk down it with you. I'll think about it. I'll feel about it. I'll let it come in. And all of a sudden, they are enslaved. And guess who can't break free from this? The one who's in prison. They can't get out on their own. This is where the power comes back to us as the church. Because Jesus has said, that you and I, when we agree on earth according to his truth as touching anything, surrounding anything, about anything based on a promise that he will hear and bondages can be broken. This is why it's, this is why Jesus has put the church together because it's not just about you and me. It's about us together. You're not meant to live this Christian life as an isolated island. You're meant to live it by calling someone else alongside you and saying, brother, wife, child, friend, I need you to pray for me. I need others to pray for me. I need some folks who will be in agreement with me to break a stronghold either in my life or a friend's life. Amen? Jesus promised that whenever that happens, in verse 20, he said, for where, there, or for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. You mean Jesus doesn't show up until we get two or three together? No. Because he is with me when I'm by myself in my backyard. Hello? But he also said, when two or three are gathered together, in his name to do what he says and believe together that he shows up in a different way. He shows up in a powerful way. He shows up to bind and to loose and to cause things to be done on earth as they are in heaven, but you don't get that until there's two or three gathered in agreement together in his name. This is what changes this. This is not just a Sunday fun thing to do. This is the church of the living God who has been given promises, so strong of promises that the gates of hell cannot prevail against us. Amen? That's why it's essential to be a part of the body of Christ. That's why it's essential to belong and be part of what God is doing. So how do we do this? How do we pray in agreement to break strongholds? Get your pens ready. Here we go. The first thing you'll need to do is build an army with those who pray bold. Get yourself some other warriors. Get yourself some other people. Surround yourself with some other people who believe God's word, who stand on his promises, who understand how to pray bold, who have a track record of seeing God move. Surround yourself with these people. Build an army with these people. You weren't meant to live this thing alone. You've been put into a body. You've been put into an army. You've been put into a dependent state on other people to pray with and pray for. The Bible says here, Jesus said here, in agreement. There's power when there's agreement. But if you try to live this thing alone, 
you will not have the power that you have if you have agreement. There are some strongholds you will not break on your own because they require having two or three or more together praying in agreement. Because what's happening over here in a person's life, look, they are in bondage. And often people like this, it's not just because they missed church one Sunday. They've made agreements. They've practiced sin. They've gotten involved in habits. And the roots go deep and the walls are thick and they can't get out of it. And if you and I are going to do battle against these spiritual forces, as the Bible tells us to, then you are going to have to have a force bigger than yourself to go against them. You're going to have to have several go into war. Nobody says on earth, hey, I'm going to go to war against a nation. Oh, you are? Who you got? Well, I got me. You're going to war. Yes. Are you doubting me? Yes. You can't go to war on your own. Because if something happens to you, it's over. And you can't be in more places than one at once. And if you're going to fight a war, you got to go against multiple forces. You got to have artillery. You got to have strategy. You got to have other people to support you. You're going to need ground support, air support, artillery support. You're going to need food. You're going to need medicine. You're going to need all the forces to wage war. You're going to need an army. So, no, you can't win it alone. Well, I thought me and God are a majority. You are. But you and an army of people who pray in agreement are a supermajority, an unstoppable supermajority. Jesus said, it is the church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. He didn't say an individual believer the gates of hell will not prevail against. He said the church, the gathered, agreeing, praying, believing church of Jesus Christ is what the gates of hell are powerless against. So you have to gather together an army. In the Old Testament, in the law, in Leviticus 26, 7 and 8, it says, you will chase your enemies and they shall fall by the sword before you. Listen to this. Five of you shall chase a hundred. That's pretty good. Five friends, five warriors. You'll chase a hundred. That's more than you. Five taken on a hundred. But it says, and a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. If you're gonna wage war, don't go alone. Get an army beside you. Get some people that you can pour your heart out with, that you can trust, that you can pray with. And I don't mean just a passing in the hall. Hey, pray for me. All right, brother. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about intentional, vulnerable. Here's the battle. Pray, let's pray together. Get an army. Number two, agree on the source of the stronghold. Look, we're getting advanced military strategy here. Stay with me. 
Don't let the enemy deceive you and tell you this is all child's play. This is not. It's advanced praying military strategy. Agree on the source of the stronghold. Second Corinthians says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. If you're gonna go to battle against what is holding this person in prison, you better be clear about what it is. You better be clear, all of you, about what you're praying for. The enemy is holding power here. And if you're not gathered in agreement and as to what the battle is, the enemy will laugh at you and say, what do they think they're doing? They don't have any power. They're not using God's word. They're not praying in God's spirit. Who do they think they are? Read the book of Acts. If you want to see the foolishness of trying to deal with spiritual warfare without operating in the spirit and authority of Christ. In the book of Acts, it tells a story about some, some Jewish men who thought, hey, that whole spiritual warfare thing is pretty cool. I saw them casting out spiritual. Let's try that. They try it, and the spirits respond and say, we know Jesus and we know Paul, but who are you? And those spirits jumped out of the person and onto them and they ran out of town like a crazy people because they had all of a sudden been overcome because they went into the battle without strategy, without a plan, without knowing what they're praying for. So let's agree on some things we're praying in a strong hunt. Now look, let's just get all, let's just get all personal and relevant here. I'm going to tell you what some surface issues are that often we go to prayer war against. Look here. Anger is not a root. Anger is a fruit. Alcohol is not a root. Alcohol. I'm sorry. Alcohol is not a root. It is a fruit. It's a result of another problem. Immorality in someone's life is not the root, it's the fruit. Financial problems in someone's life is not the root, it's the fruit. Broken relationships in someone's life is not the root, it's the fruit. We sometimes go to prayer against the thing that's not the source. It's simply the fruit of their problem, their wrong belief. They've made some agreements back up here that put them in that place of bondage. And if you're gonna help set them free, they need to be free not from the fruit, but from the root that holds them there. I'm gonna say it one more time. If you're gonna help set someone free who's in bondage, they need to be freed not just from the fruit, but from the root. If someone's stuck in alcohol addiction, there is another problem much deeper that brought them to that place. If someone is stuck in relationship issues, they have a much deeper root that needs to be dealt with. And this is where the church must be spiritually in tune and intelligent about what's happening. And we have to pray in agreement to break the root, not just the fruit. I talked already about agreements. This is where it all starts. Let me just give you some examples of some agreements 
and lies that people make that cause alcohol issues, relationship issues, immorality issues, financial problems, all of that. Here is an agreement that the enemy whispers. I have to have the approval of the crowd before I can really have any worth. That is a lie from the enemy. Our worth is found in Jesus Christ. But when the enemy comes whispering and says, hey, you know you're nothing until that group likes you. That is a lie from the enemy. And when you make an agreement with that, soon you'll start taking a step toward that crowd. Soon you'll find out what that crowd's doing. And soon you'll be doing what that crowd's doing. And whatever it is, whatever comes out, that's the fruit that came from the root of a whisper from the enemy that says, I don't have approval or favor until I get it from that group. You understand me? This is a spiritual issue. Alcohol issues, drug issues, financial issues, relational issues are spiritual issues. Some other lies and whispers and agreements. My life will never have any meaning. I could never change. I've messed up too much for God to work in me. I don't have what it takes. I'm the worst. I need something more than faith to make my pain go away. Prayer really doesn't matter. The Bible isn't really where help comes from. I can't be free from my struggles. I'll always be this way. Every one of those are whispering lies from the enemy. And when you agree with any of them, he's ready with a boatload of issues to dump in your life and he'll do it because you give him legal authority when you agree with him. Are we all on the same page? I feel the need to pray right now. Let's bow our heads. Father, you are at work in your church. You're building it, not just in number, but in depth. You're calling us to places of authority and places of even repentance that maybe we've never been before. So God, right now, I cast out any voices that would seek to distract and keep us from understanding what you're saying to us today. Any voices that would try to keep us from believing the, the truth of this. Father, I thank you that there's forgiveness if we all of a sudden have come to a place where we realize what a fool we have made of ourselves, what a deception we've bought into, what agreements we've made. I thank you that in confessing that right now before you that there is forgiveness, there's redemption, there's freedom, there's cleansing by the blood of Jesus and by that alone. I ask you to help us understand these truths. We might walk in them, live in them, and walk as more than conquerors in our day. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Agree on the work of the enemy, the source of the stronghold. And that may mean some awkward conversations. That may mean you and a spouse or you and a family having to sit down and have some very difficult conversation. I'm not talking about gossip about someone else. I'm talking about understanding what's the source. If we're going to pray together and pull down a stronghold in someone else's life, let's all be clear about what it is. We're all praying the same thing. Because that's what it's going to take. If you're going to shut down an enemy, you better have a strategy. You better have a, a war plan. The next one, agree on specific Bible promises. Agree on what God has told you.
Stand on it, agree in it, because that's where the power is. 1 Corinthians 14, 8 says, for if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? If you're just, if you're not focused in your words, if you're not believing specific promises, the enemy has no reason to listen to you. But when you pray in the authority of Jesus, based on the words of Jesus, then they have to flee in the name of Jesus. The next one, I'm just gonna touch on this one because there's, there's another message coming just about this point alone. Pray out loud in agreement. If you're gonna pray, don't say, I have an unspoken. I recognize there's times for that. But look, if you wanna see a stronghold broken, you're gonna have to say what it is. You're gonna have to confess it to someone else. If you want someone to stand in agreement with you to fight that stronghold, you better be open about what it is. And you better be willing to say it out loud. When the walls of Jericho came tumbling down, it wasn't because they marched in silent prayer. It was because they were willing to shout at the glory of God, believing a promise from God. And then the last one I would say is, Commit to battle until the stronghold is broken. Look, it's, a, it's war. It's a battle. And to, to win, it takes endurance. It takes staying in the fight. It takes, it takes being persistent. To fight when you get tired. To fight when it looks like there's no ground being made to keep fighting, keep believing promises over believing circumstances, to believe by faith and refuse to let go. This is a kind of prayer that begins to break strongholds. Now, whew, we ain't even got to the passage I wanted to use today. So I'm going to save it. It's Acts chapter 12. Take a look at it this week. There's your good um, home discipleship study this week. Acts chapter 12 tells the story of um, a believer, Peter. Peter, Peter, not just anybody. Faith-filled, church-leading, gospel-preaching Peter. And he gets put in prison. And he cannot get out. But a church prays for him. And what happens next is unbelievable. It's believable for us because we believe it. Hello? So, I think we've chewed on enough meat for today. Amen? We've got, we've got more stuff we need to do today. For example, we're going to be baptizing here in just a moment. And our children are going to come down and we're going to pray for them. So let's do this. Let's don't waste this moment of praying in agreement. I know life and I know us. I just know people in general. Everybody in this room has somebody that's caught in a stronghold and your heart breaks for them right now. Amen? You know somebody? I want us to pray. I know we don't have the ability in this moment right now to know what all of those are. 
You know what it is. Jesus knows what it is. The Spirit knows what it is. And the Father already knows what it is. I'd say that's a pretty good group of agreement right there. But we are gathered as the church. So we're going to pray. We're going to pray against those forces. And we're going to see what happens this week. Amen? Let's pray. Father, you know what it's like to watch someone be in chains, for someone to be bound, for someone to be enslaved. You saw us while we were still sinners. You saw us dead. You saw us unable to even pray. And while we were sinners, you sent your son to die for us. And he came and he prayed. He prayed for us. He took our punishment. He took what we deserved. Then he rose from the dead to prove himself victorious. And then he offered that victory to us. And we come to it by faith and we stand in it today, not because of anything we've done, but because of everything that he has done and we accept it by faith. And we stand in that. And so with that same interceding power that you call us to, we, as this church, we cry out to you on behalf of those that are our family members and loved ones who are caught they're bound. They're enslaved. They can't even see the bondage. They're blind to it. They're dead in what they're doing. We cry out to you in the name of Jesus and ask you to bring freedom to them this week. We ask you by the power of your spirit to work in their life in such a way to cause them to lose interest in their sin. I pray against every evil spirit that seeks to deceive and is deceiving, that there would be confusion amongst them, that they would be sent far away, that by the blood of Jesus they would lose their power, and that our loved one would all of a sudden have a desire to call, to text, to ask, and say, help me, I need to be free. God, I pray that would happen even this week, that chains would be broken, that the enemy would be bound, that the spirit of hope would be loosed, that wisdom and peace and the gospel and hope would be loosed into their life, that there'd be repentance, that there'd be change, and that you would be glorified as a result of all of that. As a church, we all agree on this together. We agree because you have given us your word. You have said that in your son there is life. You have called us to pray for one another, to be ambassadors of reconciliation. And we start today by praying to pull down strongholds, to war against those that hold them, that they would be set free and glorify you. God, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for what you're doing in our church. I thank you for what you're making us into. You're building your church here. As God's all, God's people, we all agree together and say... Amen. Amen. Well, I can't wait to see what happens next. Amen. All right. We're going to baptize today. Let me ask Dakota to come on up with her mom and dad. And I'm going to grab a microphone over here. So, yeah, y'all come on up here. So Micah and Trua and I recently recorded a podcast about how to know when your child is ready to be baptized. 
That's a big question. It's a question parents ask a lot. And so um, Dakota came in one day with her mom, and we talked in the office, and I got to hear the story. And Dakota, I believe, is ready to be baptized. She acknowledges that she is a sinner and that Jesus has come for her to redeem her. And I'm going to stop talking because her mom's going to talk a little bit for her, and Dakota might even talk a little bit today. We'll see. So, Christy, tell us about what God's doing. All right. Um, so, over the course of the last couple of years, she's asked several times, can I be baptized? I want to be baptized. Not, she didn't use the words, I want. It's can I, can I? And, you know, we kept listening to her, kept um, feeding her. Um, but there were three things I kind of want to share. She's going to help me with one of them is that she has a gift, and Dakota, what is that gift? It's singing to God. She loves to sing to God. Now, Dakota, how do you use your gift of singing? Um, it's used of prayers pray, and um, God's word in every song that I choose because it's just every song that I choose, I want it to be about God because I want the people to know that, like, whenever I was singing my other song at my school, I was, I told them to just, you're not alone. And also, you can just close the door on the things that you don't have to think about it anymore. Just pray to God that that you will be okay in any matter. Right, yeah. and um, yeah. so she kind of shared the why right there. I was going to ask her why. I was going to help a leader. Um, she has, so this is something her father and I have seen is this gift that she loves to share, God. Yeah. And that's the fruit of spirit within her. That's one of the things we've been seeing through her, um, her going and doing that. The second thing is kind of a personal story, but I'm going to share it. Um, over the last couple of years, it's been tough. Um, we moved from here to Waxahachie. We tried to get ourselves planted into churches. We went from church to church, you know, and um, then COVID happened and found my, ourselves further and further from going. Not that God was not in the household. Yes, it was, absolutely. But it became easier and easier to not step out the door and go to church. Um, and this young lady here, and often we have lots of conversations to work. I work in Mansfield. And she kept going, Mom, when are we going to go back to church? And I'd be like, wait, we need to. You're right, you're right, we need to. And it just, she just kept. And that was her heart that I saw of her seeking God. She yeah. knew she needed that. And I am thankful to that because now we're back. Um, and it was hard to come back. And I also lost my mother in the midst of that. And I think the reason it was hard for me to come back was just having to really live that, if that makes sense. And... So this is the last place my mom saw. So we came back here. Mm. And that was important. I'm mm. sorry. No, it's all right. It's all right. So this young lady, um, this shows that God can use little vessels. Yeah, amen. And so those are the things we saw was her heart to share about God, her want to seek God, and then just the difference between saying, can I get baptized to I want to, and I will never forget this. This is in July. We were sitting at our dinner table, and she goes, guys, guys, I've got something to say. And she's saying, I 
want to live for God, I want to live for Jesus, I want to be baptized. So that was the difference that happened between can I to I want. Amen. And so those are what we saw. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. That's beautiful. And that's one of the things that we look for as parents is where is, is there a consistency? Is there a persistence? Do they understand what Jesus has done for them? And you say, well, I want to see them really understand theological concepts more. Okay, we'll make that requirement of all adults as well. So <laughs> I don't think we want to go there on that, right? Jesus said, childlike faith. Is she going to grow in understanding some things? Yes. Does she have faith today that says, I believe that Jesus died for me and I want to live for him? Yes. Amen. All right. Cool. Well, let's do this. Mom and dad are going to stand back here. Dakota, me and you will come over here. Miss Micah is going to join us up here today. We're excited to have Micah and all the children down here today. That's awesome. So Dakota, let's step on into the water. It's warm, right? All right, let's turn around and face the other way. Yeah, that way. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right. Now let's take a look at all these folks over here and all the children. They're watching as well. We're glad to have kids. We're glad to have y'all in here with us today. It's an important picture. Baptism shows us what Jesus did for us. Baptism shows us that Jesus died for us and was buried, but he rose again. He didn't stay in the grave. He was victorious over the grave. Baptism is a picture of that, but baptism is also a picture of a new life for Dakota. Her old life buried, sins forgiven, no longer who she was, and then raised up to be who she is today. One who loves the Lord, wants to sing for the Lord and honor him in her life. Amen? All right, Dakota, with all of that, I'm excited to baptize you as my sister in Christ. You are buried with him in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life.